On July 2nd, two champions collide. The best in this damn business. He is walking Armageddon. Walking Armageddon. Lashley. Lashley. I will die in this very same ring. He is the pride of Mexico. El Patron. This is my cause! An event 15 years in the making. Impact Wrestling presents Slam Aversary. Live July 2nd, only on pay per view. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Oh my God, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two Man Power Trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Prince of Pro Wrestling, and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Woogie Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John. And Chad. Hey everybody out there, this is the franchise Shane Douglas, remember me? <laughs> well guys, it's great to be on the show again, I appreciate you asking me back, so you said you were going to pinch yourself, I didn't know it was that kind of show now, I mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good, how you doing Chad? Hey Johnny, cool man, what's going on, we ready to go or what? Okay. Hey man, what's up guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie! Homicide with a big homie club! Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling! Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Paz and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Storm. He might have given a whole scout report on Kurt, so Kurt could be in trouble here. But right now, Kurt's in total control. Oh, oh God! Holy oh, cow! Super kick! What a Two, shot! Three, it! Storm's the champ! The winner of the match! And new heavyweight champion of the world, the Cowboy, James Storm! is the two-man power trip of wrestling and you are listening to episode number 277 of the two-man power trip of wrestling podcast a podcast that you can download two times a week from itunes player fm TuneIn radio or podomatic.com as well as finding our exclusive content on the irw network including our triple threat podcast featuring the two-man power trip and the franchise shane douglas so that's technically three podcasts a week that you can download and enjoy at your leisure with the two-man power trip of wrestling but today welcome to episode number 277 if you didn't know by now my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only John Paz. And 
tag teams are definitely going to be a huge part of today's interview as we welcome in a guy who has been a mainstay of Impact Wrestling, the one and only Cowboy James Storm joins the program today to talk about Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary pay-per-view live July 2nd, an absolutely huge event that's coming up to celebrate the 15th anniversary of Impact Wrestling. And you can find out all the information about that event by going to impactwrestling.com. And this is one that John and I have been waiting to do for the basically the two plus years we've been doing the two man power trip. James Storm is a guy that he and John and I have both just absolutely adored. He's always been a guy that we've always followed and we've thought that is really an underrated guy on any roster he's been on, whether it was the brief stint he had in WCW, a brief stint he had in NXT, but obviously we're going to talk about Impact Wrestling for the most part because obviously Slammiversary's 15th anniversary of Impact, so that's definitely going to be the focus. But with James Storm, we've been waiting to do this interview forever, and having had a lot of people on the show that James Storm has worked very closely with, including his former tag team partner, the Wildcat, Chris Harris, this was an Absolutely awesome interview to fill in a lot of gaps. But I want to talk about Slammiversary really fast, and I want to talk about the blood war that he has going on with Ethan Carter the third EC3, and this strap match that they have coming up at Slammiversary. Uh, you can use stipulation matches to get a feud over, but in their instance, this is a feud that is going to have a lot of pain and there's going to be a lot of absolute intensity going into this pay-per-view match because if you've seen the build-up for this, you know that it is all there. It's all the drama. It's all the, uh, like I said, intensity of a blood feud uh, that will culminate at this pay-per-view, and that's the way you got to get it done in wrestling. you got to have these big feuds pay off at a pay-per-view and Slammiversary being such a huge event for Impact Wrestling. It's the perfect place to house this strap match between EC3 and James Storm. But, John, I'm, I feel like there's so much we could really just get into talking about here with James Storm's career. But I want to welcome you in here because you've been following TNA since day one. And we've always felt that James Storm, whether he's in a tag team or whether he's a single, he always seems to rise to the occasion. He always seems to be on the top of the card or in one of the more intense feuds or matches on a show. And it's always great to look forward to that James Storm's match. But, John, as I get you in here, talk about what we have to look forward to with this interview with the Cowboy, James Storm, and some of the highlights of what we discussed because, man, oh, man, I usually would think it's sorry about your damn luck, but you guys are really lucky to be hearing what the Cowboy is talking about today in this awesome interview to promote Slammiversary. Yes, Chad, back again here at the two-man power trip and dominating as the domination continues. Yes, we are leading up to... Impact Wrestling's Slammiversary, like you mentioned, on July the 2nd. Should be an epic night of wrestling, and it's one of those pay-per-views that you, quite frankly, can't miss. Whether it's Lashley versus Alberto El Patron for the GWF slash Impact Wrestling World Titles, or if it's the strap match between EC3 and our guest today, the Cowboy, James Storm. What a night it will be and what a match it will be. And it was great to get James's opinion and his thoughts on what was going to happen that day and what's going to happen to EC3 and talking about all the build-up to that big, big match. And it's interesting the way that card is kind of working out because there's a couple main events or a couple matches that you could say could be main events on that card. And obviously, James Storm and EC3 are definitely one of those. And you can't really speak about the legacy of that promotion without speaking of James Storm. Obviously, when it was TNA back in 2002, 15 years ago, it got started. And James Storm was on that very first show. Part of that first show, teaming up with Psychosis against the Johnsons. And there's interesting little trivia tidbit for you guys out there. You know, his first partner was actually psychosis not chris harris they started forming the following week basically week two and on they became a tag team but more so a tag team without a name and we get a great story from james about how 
you know, him and Chris Harris got together, why they got put together, a little bit of story on Vince Russo, and of course we get a great, great, hilarious story about AMW's name, where it came from, who made it up, how did they get that name, so that is awesome. I just love those great, funny little stories. We also get an awesome rib story from James talking about how you know, the, the night of the first show, his experience with the hotel room and what happened with Chris Harris. So you're definitely going to want to keep your ears open for that one. That is hilarious. It's great stuff by James. He's such a great interview, such an easy talker. This flowed so quickly and went by so fast. And it was almost like, wow, that's that was a longer interview you know, than I expected just because everything just rolled so quick. And he had a great story about every topic that we mentioned. And of course, you know, you can't really talk about James Storm's career, especially when you're talking about Impact Wrestling, because you got to mention Bobby Arude and you got to mention Beer Money. And that, in and of itself, is a great story as well, where the name Beer Money came from. And it may have a little bit to do with the Orlando Ale House down there in Florida, which is a great restaurant slash bar. So, you know, keep your ears open for that awesome, funny story as well. Just what a great talker he is. And so many great, funny stories. Like the, the AMW story is great. And then the beer money story may have topped it. That was just funny as well. And, of course, we talk about his a brief stint as a TNA, a world heavyweight champion as well as some epic, epic matches and epic feuds and epic encounters, including Kurt Angle, obviously, versus Chris Harris and versus Bobby Roode as well. And we go going through the whole gamut of his TNA run. We talk about a lot of different topics, but we get them all out there for you. So sit back, relax, and enjoy an awesome interview with the cowboy himself, baby, James Storm absolutely could not have said it better myself this is an awesome interview we really hope you enjoy slammiversary on july 2nd live on pay-per-view again you can go to impactwrestling.com for more information and please check out james storm and check out the match with ec3 the strap match it's going to be intense check out the pictures of what james storm's back looked like after the 30 plus lashes from EC3 to absolutely drive home that this strap match is going to be like no other. And again, we want to thank both the Cowboy and Impact Wrestling for getting this set up. This was a fun one to say the least, but a little bit of maintenance here before we get on over to the two-man power trip of wrestling business and over to the interview. Please, if you haven't done so already, get on over to the IRW Network and IRWNetwork.com and listen to our brand new podcast with the franchise Shane Douglas, aptly dubbed the Triple Threat Podcast by John and myself. And on this week's episode, Shane takes us to task for quite possibly jumping the gun and anointing ourselves members of the Triple Threat because we do have some big shoes to fill and I feel like we're going to be uh, almost going through some sort of initiation over the next couple of weeks as we try to earn our stripes in the triple threat. But episode two is out, and it is a lot of fun. It's a definite uh, controversial take on gun violence, uh, talking about Facebook as a political platform, but also sprinkling in all the fun wrestling anecdotes that we can, having some great Haku discussion. We've got Shane talking about his story, seeing Haku get taken down by a horde of police officers. We talk about ridiculous pay-per-view names with the WWE's Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view coming up. There's a lot in episode number two, but get on over to IRWnetwork.com to listen to that interview. We will be getting an episode onto our iTunes feed so the two-man power trip of wrestling listening audience can check it out. But hopefully you have done so already. We would love to share this with everyone, so please support it. And let's make this grow. It is uh, it's definitely been a lot of fun so far, and there's uh, so much more to come. But, John, as the music starts to creep in, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to the cowboy, James Storm. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. 
Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rose, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017 as we hit the road and we come to a town near you. Monroe, New Jersey on June 10th. Keyport, New Jersey on June 10th. Then we head on down to New Kent, Virginia on July 15th for the Crockett Cup. Then follow us down to Philadelphia where we hit the Icons Collectors Fest at the 2300 Arena. So please follow along with the two-man power trip of wrestling in 2017, because you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former TNA World Heavyweight Champion, a former seven-time TNA Tag Team Champion, a former seven-time NWA Tag Team Champion, Sorry about your damn luck. He is the cowboy, the veteran, James Storm. Please enjoy. Sorry about your damn luck. I'm a creek swimming, moonshine sipping. Beer skinning, beer drinking, Johnny Cash listening. Somebody John and I are so excited to be speaking with. When you think of his accolades, you think of his name. He's a former TNA Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Champion, a seven-time TNA World Tag Team Champion, a seven-time NWA World Tag Team Champion. You know him as the Cowboy. He might tell you, he, you're sorry about your damn luck, but the one and only James Storm, the Cowboy, joins us tonight on the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, no problem, guys. How you guys doing tonight, man? Oh, uh, we're doing awesome. And actually, today as we're uh, preparing for you to come on, you know, we've been talking about Slammiversary. We're talking about the big 15th anniversary coming up on July 2nd on pay-per-view. But actually, in real time, as we record this, today is actually the 15th anniversary of the first TNA show, something obviously you know very much about. Can you believe it's been 15 years since that first night? Man, it just, uh, you know, you hear it all the time, but it really does seem like yesterday we were in Huntsville, Alabama, getting ready to film the first episodes of, uh, you know, Impact Wrestling for the Wednesday night pay-per-views and stuff. And, uh, you, you know, going back to that night, there's always a funny rib uh, that I can tell real quick. And, and you know, me and Chris Harris, uh, we wasn't tag team at the time on the first pay-per-view, the second pay-per-view we were. But, you know, we were good friends uh, just because we know each other outside of the business before then. And uh, me and a guy named Wolfie D, Slash at the time in, in TNA, was riding together down to Huntsville. And we decided we were going to play a trick on Abyss and Chris Harris, who were rooming together. Uh, and uh, so I was coming out with the, the guns at the time. And we went to the front desk and told the front desk to give us Chris Harris's room key. And they did. And we went to Chris Harris's room, opened up the door. Him and Abyss were asleep. And I started shooting the guns off in the room. 
and Abyss pulls the mattress over on top of him, and Chris Harris goes running out the door. <laughs> like, it, was one of, it was one of my favorite rips. Like, and I'll, I'll always remember that, especially being, you know, from the first show. Oh, my gosh. That's unbelievable. What a set, setting the pace of a, a long history you'd have with the Wildcat, but definitely America's Most Wanted. We're going to get to them in a minute in the history you guys have in TNA, but that's an awesome way to remember the first TNA show. And, you know, John and I, just before you came on, we're just reminiscing about the fact that 15 years ago, you know, we needed something different. We needed more wrestling. We needed a, a product out there that was going to reflect more of what the hardcore fan or more of what the fan who was looking for something different was. And TNA, Impact Wrestling now, represented that. And it's so cool to see you still in the mix and obviously preparing for a huge match at Slammiversary. And, my God, if you got to see what the, your back looked like after your last class there with EC3, it's unbelievable. But talk about, if you can, that match coming up at Slammiversary July 2nd. It's obviously going to be one hell of a war. You know, I'm I'm really looking forward to this match. Uh, you know, not just because it's the 15th anniversary of Flavor Wrestling Show, but just because you know it is with Ethan, and uh, you know, and, and no matter what people want to say about him, uh, you know, when they you know because he's supposed to be playing the heel character, like in the ring, the guy brings it. So you know, when you step in the ring with the guy, and the same with me, I'll bring it. And I told Ethan, I, you know, you know, break, you know, I don't want to break cafe too much or whatever they say these days. But, you know, I told him, I said, you better believe it. When I get a chance, I'm going to beat your ass, plain and simple. And, and, and <laughs> you know, he did. And, you know, I'm not afraid. To, anybody who can ever step in the ring with me can tell you, I'm not afraid to take an ass weapon. I'm not afraid to take any move in the world. I'll do it. But because at the end of the day, believe me, I'm going to give it back one way or another. Uh, we've definitely seen stipulation matches. We've definitely seen a lot of wars that you've been through, but – a strap match, is a, that's a different kind of a war because, like, we saw those 30 lashes that you got. I mean, your back was absolutely destroyed. I can't imagine what putting a T-shirt on felt like after those lashes. But going into a stipulation match like this with the strap tied around your wrist, how do you mentally prepare for a war like that with a guy like Ethan who obviously, yeah, he's shown us everything that he's brought to impact. But now when the, uh, the big lights are on the pay-per-view, it's, uh, it's a different landscape. So what, how do you prepare for that going into a match of that caliber? You know, it's, it's, to me, it's going to be very easy because, uh, you know, I already proved to him that I can take an ass whipping. So now he's going to have to prove to me that he can, plain and simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's going to be one of those uh, sleepless nights kind of thing the night before. I think uh, Ethan might it's be – It's not going to uh, be uh, – I mean, it's not going to be one of these, as they start, say, five-star matches or whatever. Because, I mean, it's not going to be a whole lot of wrestling. It's going to be the old school going there and just beat each other up type match. Well, I think it would be called a seeing stars match because you'd be seeing them by the time the, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the match is over. But there's been so many cool changes going on with Impact. And really, if you see the shows, I mean, they're exciting. They're action-packed. I mean, the roster is just reinvigorated. And do you kind of feel that, too? I mean, you've seen every iteration of Impact possible, but this one right here, it just seems like there's something special with this group, and it's really just bringing the thunder every single week. I think it's more of uh, bringing responsibility back to Impact Wrestling. Uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett, he, he grew up in the business. Uh, you know, his dad in, in Memphis and, and all that stuff, and, and so did Dutch. And I, I just think before – there was too much of the guys just doing their own stuff. Like they just go out there and I think there's too much stuff just came blending together and stuff. And now you got Jeff and Dutch who comes in here and they, they basically tell guys, no, this is what we want, plain and simple. And if you can't do it, then you can go somewhere else. And, and, and to me, that's, that's how a business should be run. Like I didn't sign up to be the writer. I signed up to be the wrestler. You know, if I go into a movie set, I can't say, uh, no, I don't want to die before Tom Cruise. I got to die after him, <laughs> you know. No, I didn't sign up for that part, you know. And uh, and I think I think now with Jeff and, and Dutch in there, there's, there's, there's more, uh, you know, guys respect them. I, that's what I want to say. You know, guys, there's guys in position that people respect now. And so, so everybody is actually working together a lot more, kind of like it was in the very beginning of TNA, when you had a bunch of guys that people didn't really know, you know, as me, AJ Styles, Chris Harris, uh, you know, Samoa Joe, Low Key, uh, Sanjay Dutt, all these guys. And now with Jeff and Dutch back in there, everybody is, is, is kind of just coming together now. 
And because I told them, you know, they, they do they did this big campaign. Oh, make impact great, make impact great. And I said, plain and simple, not one person is going to make impact great again. It's going to take everybody in the locker room like it did before to make impact great, working together, plain and simple. That's uh, yeah, and that's spoken like a guy who's seen it all. And it's really it's so cool to see both Jeff and Dutch back in TNA or Impact. Like, yeah, I, it's it's like uh, it's going to take a while to get used to saying Impact like crazy, but. It's very awesome to see Impact uh, having Dutch and having Jeff back because they are such great assets and they've been around the business forever. But this tour of India that you guys just did and the TV tapings in India, obviously we're seeing across professional wrestling, India is a huge market. And I know Jeff Jarrett knows a lot about that because he explored it a few years ago. But kind of talk about that trip out to India and what that was like and those tapings because another one, it just seemed like the electricity was off the charts with that crowd that was there in India. Yeah, you know, it was just, it was, you know, I don't want to talk bad about the crowd in Orlando, but, you know, it's like, come on. Like, they kind of just kind of seen everything. And, and, and let's get real, like, a lot of the people in there also is, is park people. So they kind of really don't know what's going on. You know, you have the, you know, 100, 200 people in there that, that are the regular fans that come all the time. But there's a lot of park people who are led by the regulars or whatever. But with India, there were so many of the, the, I, there was about ninety percent of the crowd knew the product uh, just because and and it was so much fun just to come out there and hear them really just pop like off somebody shooting somebody off to the ropes or giving a hip toss. It's like all right, this people like when you go to a wrestling show, you want to go and have fun. Like the worst thing to do is just sit there and you know watch us run around in our underwear. <laughs> So, and I always tell people, like, if I, if I pay money for something, I'm going to go and I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to yell and I'm going to scream and I'm going to do whatever I want to do, plain and simple. Yeah, that's a great thing. And I got to tell you something, just picturing you in India is, uh, is part of, I think, the fun of uh, kind of looking back at those tapings <laughs> because a cowboy in, uh, in the streets of Bali or wherever you guys were, uh, were hanging out there, is, uh, that's got to be pretty interesting. But how's the culture shock for somebody like you, a uh, – a beer swilling uh, Johnny Cash listening kind of guy down the streets of, uh, of India. You know, it's it funny. I, I stood out just a little bit, uh, just a little bit. You know, not too much, but especially <laughs> running around with my cowboy hat and stuff on. But it was actually cool because uh, uh, hopefully the footage come out soon and stuff. There's there's me like walking down the street, actually trying to teach people my theme song and how to sing it in India. Like people would come up and get my autograph and stuff, and then we would sit there and we listen to the song and we would try to sing. I try to sing it with them, or whatever. And it was some of the funniest thing. But they were the people in India were so respectful of how they really came up to, to get a picture. You know, they they would come up and they would say, "Can I get a picture, please?" You know, sir. You know, not just hey, let's take a picture. You know, and 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 it was just so refreshing to hear people actually respect us instead of acting like we're a bunch of dancing monkeys. Hmm. What did you think about you know getting over there and what was it, like twenty something hours to kind of get yeah, over with that? A, Not that I'm counting. <laughs> was that a you know a pain kind of, or was it worth it once you got there? No, you know uh, I would say a good thing Delta served Jack Daniels because I think we drank all the Jack on the flight. But uh, <laughs> you know, and I always tell people I'm like, look, I'm like. I'm like, the wrestling part's already, it's come easy to me now. The, the traveling's the hard part, you know, sitting in planes and then, you know, hotel rooms and, and, and buses and stuff like that. Like, because your adrenaline kicks in once you once you go through the curtain and, and your music's playing and stuff, and you really don't feel anything. And like I said, the, the hard part is just getting there and getting back home, you know. But, uh, you know, it was such a such a shock just to see how, how much poverty there is over there and like how poor it was in, in, in places too, because like I came home and I told my wife, like I, I wanted to sell everything off. I was just like, like I feel bad that I own stuff because we, we see this, like this, there was this one incident. We saw a five-year-old kid. Oh, he's about five years old. He looked five years old and he was naked trying to start a fire with two sticks and his parents were asleep in the shack. Like it was just, you know, it was just sad to see and this eye opening, you know, but, you know, and, and once we got there to the studio and, and we just, you know, the crowd got in and it wasn't it wasn't quiet until everybody left because they they were loud from the time they started walking in the building to the time they left. Got to love crowds like that. And to think about you with TNA, especially the early days 
when you guys were in Huntsville, Alabama. And then obviously, you know, you moved to Nashville, you know, in the asylum and stuff like that. But for you, a guy that's been there since day one, and obviously the rumors are floating around there, the rumors are circulating about the Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on the, on the you know, the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame this year? And is it true you may be going in? No, I, I get, I'm not going in. <laughs> so I can tell you that. Like, I haven't been contacted, and nobody's asked me. So, uh, I mean, that's to me, that's not really going to be happening. Uh, to me, uh, people that need to go into the Hall of Fame are people uh, who are not really doing stuff, uh, you know, who are not active anymore. Uh, but that's, you know, to me, you know, maybe put somebody in there like a, like a Jerry Jarrett, uh, you know, who actually helped start the company, you know. Uh, you know, I, I, people can say what they want to say, but I wouldn't mind if they put Dixie Carter in there, you know. Uh, it, but, but, and I told people playing, you know, from this, from about six months ago, I did a, a interview and I said to me, needs to go in there because a lot of people don't understand how much Brian Lee and Wolfie helped out guys like me and Chris and, and Daniels and AJ and all these guys back in the day because they kind of already been there and done it. So they, they, they were kind of grooming us to to expect, you know, fame and, 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 and what goes along with it and how to handle it and stuff like that, even though sometimes Brian Lee didn't handle it all the greatest in the world. But, uh, you know, like I said the new church needs to go in. That was, that was, that was my vote. <laughs> Loved the new church. I mean, I've been I'm watching TNA. I had all the tapes. I converted them to DVD. I mean, since day one I was watching – my favorite feud, AMW versus the New Church. You just talk a little bit about the chemistry you guys had and kind of taking it to the limits and getting real, you know, real brutal, stiff matches between you four. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, it was great because those guys didn't mind being beat up, and like I didn't mind being beat up. But it was just, it was just, and it just kind of worked out because you don't have to worry about guys getting mad. Oh, well, you stiffed me too hard. Or no, it's not. It's just like, let's just go out there and beat each other up and then come back and then we'll go drink beer. Plain and simple, you know, and, and, and Wolfie helped train me. So it just helped even more. Uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, back in 95, I had uh, a serious uh, shoulder surgery that was caused by Wolfie D and there was a compound fracture in my, in my right shoulder. So I had to, had to, like completely reconstructed and everything. And so when I got a chance to get back in the ring with him, and that was at TNA during the new, uh, new church era, I told him, I said, believe me, I'm going to beat the crap out of you because you cost me a year of my career being out with this shoulder surgery. And he just told me, he just said, well, bring it on. Let's do it. You know? And we went, we went, like I said, we go out there and we beat each other up and we feel sore. But at the end of the day, we knew that we were doing something good. It's Wolfie not ballet. D. If you're scared to get hit or get scared to get stiff, go play soccer or something. <laughs> Good point. Yep. Hey, <laughs> this ain't ballet. And Wolfie D is so underrated. Even from his PG-13 days, obviously Slash, he completely changed up his gimmick stuff. But what you kind of learn from Wolfie D? He's definitely one of those underrated guys that kind of, you know, he goes under the radar. But PG-13 was awesome. Yeah, you know, I just, like, I learned, you know, especially a lot of tactics and stuff with him. But just, just how to like read a crowd you know like not every crowd is going to respond to stuff that you do so you have to switch it up on the fly and, and Wolfie just taught me that it, it's okay to switch stuff on the fly like you don't have to do what you already had set to do like you can just change stuff up it, 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 it's fine and and he taught me like slower is better because if you go 100 miles in the ring a lot of times especially down here in the south Fans can't follow what you're doing. Yeah, they'll, they'll pop for all these high moves, but at the end, it's really the last move that you do that really means something, that people are like, oh, okay, that was cool. So I can do 10 arm drags in a row, but if I do something cool at the end, they're not going to remember the 10 arm drags, you know. So that's, that's just my thought and what I learned with Wolfie. And also, like, you know, Mr. Perfect was there. Mr. Perfect helped me out so much because he would he would just pull me aside and just be like, Okay, what'd you do that for? And I was like, Well, I was gonna do the next spot. He and he just start cussing me. He's like, That's the effing problem. Don't don't worry about the next spot. Do this spot first. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, and it was it was just me picking a guy up off the ground. And he's like, Never, never, never pick a guy up off the ground. He goes, The object of wrestling is to beat the guy, pin him on the ground or make him submit. So why are you picking him up? 
said, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. The master of psychology himself, uh, Mr. Perfect, that's great. You know, in his small time in TNA, it's great that he was giving back and teaching the younger guys. Way, way beyond his time. Like, I just wish he could be around now to help, you know, teach guys. You know, like, people can learn just so much. Like, just people can learn stuff just by going back and watching some of his film now, you know. Absolutely. And I was thinking about you in those younger days, and they paired you up with Chris Harris, the Wildcat. We had him on not too long ago. He was awesome. What an awesome guest. And he had you know nothing but great things to say about you and your chemistry. And he mentioned how you guys were great against each other. So when they put you guys together, your chemistry as a tag team was just off the charts. Yeah, it was, it, you know, it, and it was kind of like the same thing with, uh, with, with Bobby uh, when we did Beer Money. But with Chris, we were basically no-name guys uh, just kind of thrown together. But we had worked each other. Like, we had never been a tag team on the independent circus. And, and uh, we had known each other for, I don't know, four years before TNA even started up. And we always wrestled each other. And we would just beat each other up. You know, you know we, we'd go out there and we'd have nice, good, stiff matches and stuff. And then and then they didn't really know what to do with us after the, uh, you know, after the first show. So they just decided, hey, let's just put them together, you know. And uh, and I, I remember us just being – and they just taught us Harrison Storm for probably six weeks or so. And I remember we got in trouble, like a little bit of trouble down in downtown Nashville. And this lady said to us, you guys keep that up and you're going to end up on America's Most Wanted. <laughs> and I said, oh, that's her name. <laughs> right there. I said, A-M-W. And that's how that's how that whole bit came apart. Came to. That's awesome because sometimes it's not even something you think of. It's something random, and it's something that just comes up like that. That kind of makes some of the best, you know, the best stories or something that you didn't really plan out, right? Right. Oh yeah. And same way with beer money. Me and Bobby were, were actually sitting at the L House in Orlando, Florida, and I actually just looked around. I'm like, damn it! I'm like, I'm out of beer money. And he he just looked at me. He goes, "What'd you say?" And I told him. He goes, and he's like, "That's what we should be called." I was like, "Oh, makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> I know that Ale House pretty well. Uh, that is a great place, and you need that beer money. My best ideas come when I'm drinking. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, you know you can't always script this stuff, right? It's better kind of like you said, like on the fly, rather than trying to script it out. Exactly, and, and that's and, and it's the whole thing. Like most of you say, a lot of stuff, some stuff is better. Just do it on the fly and see what happens. You know, that's the same way. You know, and, and I and I got to think. I was like, man, I was like, like Jake Jake's DDT. Like he accidentally DDT the guy. He didn't like that wasn't his finisher. You know, when and when he accidentally did it, they don't he killed the guy, and then that was his finisher for then on. <laughs> so, right, yep. And even like Austin three sixteen, it kind of just came to him because uh, you know they said, "Oh, yeah, you got to say promo. something back to Jake." Yeah, it just came yep. came to him. Yeah. Now speaking back to AMW, I just want to touch on this. You guys were just phenomenal because it was funny. Like you know, like you said, didn't really team much before. They kind of just threw you guys together. You know, you're creating the name on the fly. But you guys not only had good matches with the New Church, then they throw a complete curveball, and you're feuding with Triple X. Low key Skipper and Daniels, and you're even having great matches with them. Is it, did it come to a point where it's like, wow, we're really, you know, gelling well as a team? We could wrestle and have a good match with anybody. Yeah, you know, and, and to me, that's, uh, uh, and I always tell everybody, I was like, I always try to, to work, to definitely learn how to work different styles. Just don't get stuck wrestling with one style. I can go out there and I can wrestle with anybody. Uh, and, and that's what I always tell people. I was like, you just got to learn the psychology of how to work different people. You know, I, I can't go out here and I can't do 30 different flips. I I know I can't do that. But I can catch the guy who does 30 different flips, you know. And, and, and that's what I always tell people. I'm like, even if you can't do it, learn to work around that so you still can work that style. Uh, and, and that's what me and Chris did. We, we, just, we just went out there and we just proved that no matter what, we were able to work with anyone. And I think he started getting over, uh, you know, and Jeff and them started seeing that. And Vince, at the time, who was right, was like, wow, okay, because – Vince, he didn't want to use us at, at the time. And then once we started working all these matches and people started talking about it, he's like, all right, well, i gotta, I got to start using these damn guys now. <laughs> 
Now, obviously, Vince being a Vince Russo, did you get along with Russo then? You know, what was the yeah. relationship with Russo? You know, it, it was weird just because he, uh, you know, he, he, you know, being Southern or whatever, he just thought I was some dumb redneck or whatever, you know. And he had me saying "buckaroo" and all this stuff. I was like, man, I was like, look, I was like, rednecks, we don't even talk like that at all. Like that's just, you know, that's just made up in the movies and stuff. Like, and uh, and it wasn't probably until I don't know, maybe eight, maybe ten years ago, I think when Russo was still with TNA and and. And he, actually, uh, BG James came up to me. He goes, look, man, he goes, you need to go talk to Vince and just see if you can just go out there and just start cutting promos. Just being yourself. Just being the Southern redneck guy that you are, that only you know how to speak for. And, and he said, he said, just go tell him. Say, look, if it don't work, I'll bite the bullet on it and I'll start doing it your way. But if it works, just let me have a little, you know, leeway on it. He's like, because Vince writes for so many different people. You know, sometimes he just misses the loophole, and I, I and give credit to Vince. Like I went up to him, he goes, "Look, he goes, all right, he goes, go out there and just do your thing." And I went out there and I cut one hell of a promo, and Vince said, "All right, from now on, you just do your own stuff." I said, "All right, thanks, man." <laughs> are you one of those guys that does the bullet points for the promos? Or are you one of those guys that kind of just are you going to improv the whole thing? Yeah, I just I just go out there and I just improv the whole thing. Like and it, like I said, it goes back to the feeling the crowd, you know, and, and it's all about. It's all about delivery. Uh, I mean, somebody can go out there and they can kind of promo, and it can be as dull as they want to be. And I can go out there and I can promo word for word and make it good, and people will cheer. It's just, and I always tell people like, practice your promos. Like a lot of a lot of money is made with guys who can cut promos. Example: The Rock. <laughs> you know, the guy didn't do a lot of great moves or whatever, but he can talk his ass off. And 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 I, I said I said. I always learn talking is what puts butts in seats, and then when you put the butts in the seats, then you do the wrestling. So that is a great point. Is then you know once you get them there, you want to keep them there and keep them entertained right. and show them show them what you've got. Yep. Now with you and Chris Harris, just saying an AMW for a second. I mean, there were so many great feuds and. Some of the great matches you had. I mean, even Simon and Swinger, that was an awesome feud. The Naturals, Three Life Crew, there were so many good matches you guys had. But then you guys kind of turn heel and Team 3D comes. What did you think about that? Because then, you know, you got a legendary tag team coming in and really got to up the ante. Yeah, and and at the time, you know, uh, uh, they they came in. And I I guess, you know, they just kind of wanted – they thought they just bullied their stuff around or whatever, you know, just because they've been there. And, and done it, done everything they can, uh, you, you know. And they were, you know, a little bit more than snug, I should say. But it, it's one of the things where we proved our, ourselves to them, and they're like, "All right, all right, we need to just back off a little bit," <laughs> you know. And I was like, "Hey, if you guys want to bring it, bring it," you know. So, and uh, you know, and it's one of the things like, like Bubba would always say, like, once you prove to us, or you, you know, and it's not really proven anything to them. It's more of a respect thing, you know. They they really don't know us, and that's that's fine. So we go out there and we say, hey, we we could do the same thing, plain and simple, and and then we just have great matches after that. It's kind of an old school kind of mentality, you know, from them. Not really being different. It's just kind of an old school thing. It's like, all right, let's see what these guys got, and you guys obviously proved yourself. And then after that, they were they kind of not softened up, but they kind of changed their viewpoint on you guys, right? Right, right, exactly, and, and 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 to me, that's how wrestling should be. You know, I I don't want to say, you know, people say, oh, the, the paying the dues and all that stuff is BS. No, like I still believe in, in guys should pay their dues. Like guys just don't need to come into you know TNA or or WWE or Ring of Honor or New Japan and just think everything is going to be handed to them. No, you need to prove yourself and work yourself up the ladder like everybody else who's been there a lot longer than you. Definitely, and I feel like, you know, you can't have stuff handed to you. you, you got to be able to kind of roll with the punches, whether they give you, you know, whether, you know, you're with AMW, for instance, or whether, you know, you're splitting away from AMW and you're fighting. You seem to always kind of take the ball and, and run with it, and I feel like, you know, obviously Chris Harris is great as well, but you were kind of the guy out of the group that kind of was breaking off on your own. Do you feel like when you were splitting that you were kind of headed for the main event? No, you know, I didn't even – I didn't even think of it. Like, I didn't even know we were splitting up, seriously, until, like, two hours before the show started. And Gail Kim came up and told me about this. So that's a whole different story. 
but it, you know, it's just one of those things where I just, you know, and, and you know, I don't want to say I have to prove myself all over again, but I'm just like, look, if I got to do this on my own, I'm going to do it. Like I know what I'm capable of, and I can do it. And I'm just going to prove to everybody once again that James Storm can do it. And you know, you really did. I mean, the feud with Rhino really sticks out. You guys did so many memorable matches. You know, and then you're feuding with guys like Kurt Angle and Sting and Samoa Joe, and you're having all these matches and kind of proving yourself. But then you find Bobby Roode, and then and it's weird. They kind of put you back in a tag team role, but you guys elevated yourself and became, you know, something more than just a quote-unquote tag team or something. You guys kind of became a main event tag team. Did you feel the combination with Bobby Roode and doing beer money, did you really feel like that was kind of like, you know, a new revelation with you, almost like a resurrection for you? Because you guys were the best tag team probably for about, you know, for your whole run, but best tag team we've seen in wrestling in many, many years. Yeah, it was just one of those things, like I said, you know, they they didn't really know what to do with me and him, you know, as singles guys, you know, so they just like, hey, let's just put them as a tag team just for a little while, you know. And I think that was their whole mentality. This is going to leave us as tag team just for a little while, and then it just it just caught like wildfire, you know. Once we started calling ourselves Beer Money, and we started doing the, you know, the stupid Beer Money suplex, it just like it just I don't know, it just 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 I remember us just sitting around going, we got to do something so stupid and obnoxious that people are like, this is horrible. So we started doing the Beer Money suplex, and then after a while, it just kind of caught on. You know, and and everybody started doing it, and it was one of those things. That, and 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 I think they they put me with Bobby because you know, uh, like at the time, I, I think I brought out Bobby being able to speak better on the microphone and changing up, and Bobby brought out a more aggressive, like uh, a better wrestling style with me. I would say so. We we complimented each other very well, I believe. You surprised at all to see the success of Bobby Roode right now, like in NXT, being the champ, kind of carrying that brand? Are you surprised at no. all, or not really? You kind of saw that out of him. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all because, I, I mean, Bobby is is like me. Like you give him a chance to do something, or you put him in a role, no matter what it is, he's going to do his best to make it great and get it over. And same with Ewa, same with Eric Young, same way. Whatever role you want to put Eli in, he'll make it great. He'll go out there and bust his butt and do his job. And that's what a lot of guys get caught up in. Is, is, this is a job. Just go out and do it. Definitely. And obviously, you know, he's having a lot of success where he is, and you're having a lot of success in TNA. But with you, you end up winning the world title. You beat Kurt Angle. Was that kind of one of your biggest accomplishments as far as being the world champion in, in TNA or, or quote-unquote, in Impact? Uh, you know, a, a lot of people would say that it would, but, uh, to be not really, uh, I mean, it was cool that, that, uh, you know, I was able to beat Kurt. Uh, but I, I to me, I, I really like the tag team stuff that I have accomplished. Uh, you, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people are like, Oh, he's a tag team wrestler. Well, believe me, I, I, you know, if you say that to the rock and roll express or midnight express, Hey, I, I'm, I'm very proud to be, have been a tag team wrestler. Like I don't mind it at all. And, and the, the best thing about being a tag team wrestler for all those years is I didn't have to take as many bumps as a lot of the guys doing single stuff. So now, <laughs> so now that I'm even a little bit older, I can go a little bit more. <laughs> that is a, a great point. You don't you don't think about the little things like that. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're taking half the bumps as a, as a tag team guy. That is Bam, true. Exactly. <laughs> now you know. You win the world title, obviously. You beat Kurt Angle, which was great. You didn't hold it for as long as I think a lot of the fans kind of wanted you to hold it for. Did you feel like a longer title run was necessary at that point, or were you okay with, with you know, the run you had? No, you know, I, I just I, – uh, to me, how kind of getting mismatched in the mud or whatever, like the stuff that's – because at, at Bound for Glory uh, that me and Bobby had in Phoenix, it was actually supposed to be for the world title, you know, again. But, you know, that's – story for another day but you know when they, they pitched it to me I was like oh this sounds great let's do it this way you know great I'd like I don't mind at all dropping it to Bobby you know and then I'll get it back and bound for glory uh so you know I you know a lot of people still you know like you said they still said oh I wish you to held the belt longer and blah 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 you know that, that that's fine but you have to build a heel you have to have a heel in the whole thing and 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 it worked out great for Bobby to do that at that time 
Definitely, and and it's funny you, you know you said about Bound for Glory because I think a lot of fans, myself included, felt like, wow, that match stole the show. That was the best match on the card. That probably should have been the main event for the world title. Weird that it wasn't. But you and Bobby, the chemistry was awesome. And it's funny, it's almost like you and Harris. It's like, wow, these guys can either team together and have good chemistry, or they wrestle each other and have even better chemistry. Were you feeling it with Bobby? Like, you guys were just having great, you know, a blood uh, bloodbath, uh, you know, an epic feud there. Yeah, you know, it was, it, it was just, uh, like you said, it was actually supposed to be higher up on the card, but a lot of, a lot of politics stuff happened or whatever, so... So we fell down to third or whatever, which is fine. I said, all right, well, have fun trying to top what we're about to do then. Uh, and so, you know, me and Bobby just go out there, and, and it's just one of those things where if you put two workers out there and you just let them do whatever they want to do, they're, they're, they're going to steal the show. It's going to be hard to top what they do. And, and, and that's what I consider myself. I consider Bobby. I consider EY, Kurt Angle, all these guys. They're, they're workers. They go out there, and they will do their job. And if you give them – a couple of extra little toys to play with. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Definitely. I mean, you guys were awesome. You stole the show, like you said. Uh, good luck to anybody following you. And they really, I mean, they could not say they was a bad match. It's just that you guys definitely had, had the best match on the card that night. But I wanted to ask you, you know, kind of moving forward just just a bit. When you did the, the revolution angle and you guys kind of turned heel and you were kind of being, you know, the orchestrator. Did you like that current, you know, that storyline? Because it was pretty cool, and it was kind of a, a different side of you that we hadn't seen before. You know, I, uh, as far as, like, the storyline stuff, I really didn't. Uh, that wasn't kind of the character. I, I don't want to say character, but that wasn't the way that I kind of seen the story going. Same with the DCC. Like, I had a complete, complete different thing when I pitched it to them, and it was greeted upon. But then when it came on TV, it was something totally different. Uh, you know, because with the DCC, it was supposed to, uh, we, we were supposed to come back as baby faces because it never explained why I got fired or suspended or whatever. They never explained how Bram got out of the trunk. And I had a whole story kind of tied into that, that invo- involved like some vignettes in a courthouse and jail and all this stuff that have been really cool. But it's one of those things where that's fine. Like I give them, I give them the input and how they display it on TV is, is, uh, is up to them. And that's fine. Uh, you know, but at the end of the day, was I happy with it? You know, not really, but I'll show up and I'll do my job and I'll make the best of it that I can. Definitely. And you are one of the mainstays for sure. in TNA, obviously for a very, very long time. But if I could just briefly, I just wanted to mention, you know, you did have a tiny blip. You had a, a brief stint, in NXT, and obviously, you know, you ended up not signing, and then you came back to TNA. Was there a specific reason, you know, why you kind of didn't decide, you know, NXT, and you came back to Impact Wrestling? No, you know, it it wasn't. Like, like when I went there, and it's so funny, because I still see a clip from my match that they use times in their vignettes of of these couple kids, like, going crazy, like, nothing. I'm like, wait, that's my guy. (laughs) Wait, what? And uh, so, you know, it's it's very funny. And it was so cool, and they were so respectful. Uh, You know, when I went down there and, you know, I met with Hunter and stuff, and he was just, he was, you know, people can say what they want to say about him, but with my experience with him, he was super cool and treated me like, you know, I was one of the boys, Uh, which is, if if you're in the business, that's all you want to be treated as, just one of the boys, you know. And, uh you know, it is just one of the things. Like, I talked to him, and, uh, you, you know, and uh, it was just agreed upon that, you know, it just wasn't it wasn't the right time, you know. And uh, so, you know, I decided to sign back with Impact Wrestling. And it is great to see, you know, kind of for Impact, you know, for somebody to kind of almost leave but then come back. It almost kind of rejuvenates you. Do you, do you kind of feel like when you came back it was almost – you know, it was almost a, a fresh start and kind of rejuvenated you a bit. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. You know, I, I came back and uh, you know now this this past year, you know, I've been I've been working out and training harder than I've ever trained before in my career. And you know, like I said, I, I look better now than I did when I was 22. Uh, you know, or or 20 or or whatever. Like any time in my career, I'm looking the best now. And it, I, I think you said it, it's just uh, it's just a whole new outlook on life. And, you know, and I feel better now than I, I did back then too. So I got a good, I got a good six, eight years left in me, I think. 
it's maybe, safe, maybe. saving those bumps <laughs> when you were tagging. Yeah, saving that bump card up. Now, with you, obviously, you know, you didn't sign with um, – with NXT, you came back to Impact. Was there unfinished business? Is there? Was there something that you know you said? You know what? I want to go back there and I want to grow Impact. Like, what, what was your? You know, when you first came back, and obviously, you know, now you're rejuvenated, you're in better shape, your your mindset's better. Like, what was your your mental aspect going in? Were you thinking like I'm going to help Impact grow, and you know, not not only through Pop TV, but you know, we're going to start doing more pay per views, you know, and help out new management stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's just one of the things, like, you know, as a wrestler, all I want to do is work, you know, and, and, and you know, when I talked to the Impact officials at the time, you know, hey, we're going to start doing this, and we're going to start running all these house shows and stuff like that, but then, you know, stuff, you know, I, I know stuff changes and all that, but, you know, it's just like, oh, man, like, you know, I signed, you know, hoping to, like, I want to wrestle, you know, as a wrestler, that's what you want to do, and, uh, you know, and I think now with, with with Jeff and them in there now, they know that to make money, you have to run live events and have merchandise and stuff like that. Like, Jeff knows that he's been around wrestling business. So I think very soon, and he's seen, you know, they're promoting house shows already, that we're going to start doing more and more house shows. Definitely looking forward to that. I saw a couple popping up. Obviously, if you watch Pop TV, you watch Impact, you see there's a couple of live events popping up all around. But that is definitely great news. And, you know, doing the live shows and doing the, the things are great. But building up to something like Slammiversary and building up to pay-per-views, you know, that's kind of what it's all about. And I did notice a couple new shirts for you as well, right? And that's a good kind of a good aspect, too. You get some new merchandise. Yeah. You can go to Sorry About Your Damn Luck and get them. <laughs> Sorry about your lambluck.com. But, you know, and, and, and I always tell people, like, uh, you, you know, even if I do indie shows, I'm like, guys, like, you can, do the, you can do the indie shows, but merchandise is where you make the bulk of your money. Like, you, you can make a lot of money off, off merchandise, you know. And, and I learned that just because I heard the numbers that Steve Austin was making, like, off of his T-shirts and stuff, you know. Not that I'm anywhere close to that, but I was just like, wait, what? Off a T-shirt? You know, and that's what the T-shirt said on it too. What? (laughs) That is very, very true. What is the? I know Steve Austin is is kind of. It almost seems like you and Austin are are very similar. Is Austin, you know, not really a mentor to you per se, but was he kind of somebody you looked up to and influenced in the business? No, no. You know, it's it's funny that people say that. Me and Austin actually kind of talked about that a little bit on the podcast stuff. And and I told him, I said, no, I said. I said, people always uh, associate us as kind of being similar just because we're rednecks and we drink beer. And, and, and Austin said, yeah, 99% of rednecks drink beer. <laughs> I was like, I know. We just happen to be on TV and get to do it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I foolishly was making the, the same. Obviously, you know, you were on a show, but uh, I was foolishly thinking the same thing. You know, two rednecks drinking beer. That's it. <laughs> So, and I said, and I tell everybody all the time, I'm like, look, when I was young, I get to run around in my underwear. Now, I get paid to run around in my underwear and drink beer. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great point. And as I start to wind it down a bit here, I just wanted to mention your brief stint in WCW. I always was curious kind of how you got into WCW. Obviously, you know, it didn't last long. They ended up selling to Vince and the WWE. But how did you get a kind of a developmental deal, so to speak, with WCW? Yeah, well, it's funny, though, because I was actually there three years. Uh, it was me, Abyss, Chris Harris, AJ Styles, uh, Ashley Hudson, Corey Williams, a couple other guys, uh, Cassie Riley. And it was just one of the things where a guy in Nashville by the name of Burt Prentice, uh, who ran shows in Nashville that we all worked for at the time, uh, he somehow... I guess with Terry Taylor, who was at WCW or whatever, and they kind of worked out a deal where a lot of the WCW guys would come down to Nashville and work matches with guys or whatever. Like, I, I remember working like Sean O'Hare and uh, all those guys when they, when they came down and stuff. And, uh, and it was just one of the things where I think, I think Hogan got hurt or something one night by a security guard who, who wasn't a worker, who was like a security guard and fell down and, like, landed on Hogan. Hogan's knees, and uh, and then after that, they started bringing in guys. They contacted Bird, I guess, and needed guys who can dress up as security guards. So, <laughs> and that's kind of a great way to 
get your foot in the door and almost get on TV as well, you know, whether, you know, you're being security for uh, for Bischoff or whoever, right? It's kind of a great way to get on TV and get your foot in the door. Yeah, you know, and, and the funny thing was is I remember one night we was playing paramedics, uh, me and Castor Raleigh was, and it was actually – uh, we were do- we were supposed to be a paramedic in a like a last man standing match that was right after the Sid Vicious match where he broke his leg. So they're yelling for paramedics and they come running up to us, yelling at us to go and help him. And we're like, we're not real paramedics. <laughs> and Nick Cassidy was like, Nick just got you got to get to the ring. We're like, we're, well, we have no clue what to do. Like we're not real. <laughs> well. <laughs> But you did get on a worldwide and Saturday night stuff, right? You, you did end up getting yeah. matched oh, yeah. as yeah. quote unquote enhancement worldwide. talent. Like worldwide with uh, Three Count and Chronic and, uh, uh, and, and and all those guys. Did you come up with the James Storm name or was that given to you by WCW? No, that was I actually had that way, you know, right when I started. Actually, uh, the Storm part came from my mom. Like when I was young, uh, she would just, uh, you know, always say, Oh, we need to clean this room up. It looks like a storm hit it, you know, and that's just how that kind of came about. But it was funny because I remember when I went up there one time, they changed my name to James Black because Lance Storm <laughs> was on the show, and I was wrestling on the show too with Lance Storm. <laughs> and so they changed it to James Black for the one night. <laughs> wow, that is awesome trivia. Never knew that. Yep. That is awesome trivia. <laughs> Now, looking back at your career, I mean, so many great matches, so many memorable moments. Are you able to kind of narrow it down to a couple of favorite matches or maybe even just a favorite match that you've had in your career? You know, definitely some of uh, my uh, favorite matches were with uh, Triple X. Uh, me and Chris had, you know, we had some great matches with Triple X. And then when me and Bobby, you know, had our uh, our feud with the uh, Motor City Machine Guns, uh, those matches were a lot of fun. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the two matches that I had uh, with Chris and Bobby, uh, uh, the Texas Death Match and then the match at uh, the Bound for Glory uh, with Bobby are definitely, you know, matches that always will stand out to me. Awesome stuff. And, you know, you've had so many great opponents, obviously, as well. But can you think of anybody you haven't wrestled yet that you consider a dream match, somebody you really want to get in there with and wrestle? Uh, you talking about still active or just yes, you know, whenever? Yep, still active. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, people can say uh, whatever they want to say about him now, but uh, you know, one of the guys that I would like to get in there with, just because of his psychology, would be a guy like Randy Orton. Like people, oh my gosh. When, I, when, when I say that, people are like, "Wait, what?" But I, it's just, it's just our our style. I think with Clash and just. I, I think we can pull off like a, a really good match. <laughs> no, I think that sounds perfect on paper. That's one of those uh, we have very few dream matches left in the business, and I think that that's one that could definitely top anybody's list because you guys, uh, I can see that methodical pace definitely on both sides of the ring. But I gotta say, uh, who would be the heel? Who would be the babyface in that? Well, you know, of course he's gonna be the heel, you know, because I dive all the time. that's great you know what as we get to uh we get to wrap it up here we're going to talk about slammiversary one more time here in a minute but i gotta ask you you know we usually end it with asking what your legacy is in the business or where you're going to be in five years but you know just listening to all the stuff that john's run down and he ran down a hell of a lot of your tna career i gotta say you're a chameleon and you can really adapt to any situation heel babyface stable singles tag what do you want the fans to remember about James Storm, or what do you want them to look forward to with James Storm? Because we've seen so much out of your career. But what's next, or what do you think we can expect out of the Cowboy going forward? You know, I always say, uh, you know, never say never in the wrestling business because you don't ever know what tomorrow might bring for a wrestler because you can just get any phone call from, you know, anybody. Uh, but to me, like, I'm, I'm not winding down anytime soon. My body feels better than it's ever had before. Like I said, I'm training harder than I ever have before. Uh, so, you know, you, you never know uh, exactly where where I'm going to land or where I'm going to wind up. But, you know, you can always expect that every time I go out there, no matter, like I said, no matter what role I have to play, like I'm, I'm going to play it the best of my ability. Like I'm not one of these guys, if I'm a heel, 
I, I don't want to be cheered at all. And I told Steve Austin's podcast, it's like, you messed that up for everybody. It's like everybody's cheering <laughs> you when you're ill. And, uh, and, and, you know, and I, I, I still want to bring back that old school mentality where the heel is hated. You know, you, you, you can't have cool heels. And a lot of times in these storylines, the writers will write the heels to outsmart the baby faces, which is not right at all, but it happens. Uh, but, you know, like you said, you know, four or five years, uh, to me, like, I, I'm still going to be going. Like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not winding down anytime soon. Uh, I still have uh, a couple months left on my impact contract, uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens and go from there. Oh, that's awesome! We want everybody to get on pay per view July second, Slammiversary, the huge 15th anniversary of Impact Wrestling. It's hard to believe, but we've heard so much of your great career, and EC3 is going to be in for one hell of a strap match, and we can't uh, we can't wait for that. It's very cool to have a big fight feel for a pay-per-view these days, and uh, we're going to be invested in that match. And this has been a ton of fun, James. It's been one for us that we've been definitely looking forward to for the two years that we've been doing this show. But before we let you go, please share with the listeners of the two-man power trip where they can find anything and everything in the world of the cowboy, James Storm. Like I said, you know, you can go on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, I mean, not Facebook. I don't have a Facebook account. X that out. Uh, Twitter or Instagram. Uh, at James Stormbrand, uh, and you can definitely go to my website and get all my merchandise at www.sorryaboutyourdamnlook.com. Uh, when you say that, I hear the music start to go off in the background uh, <laughs> after you. Uh, <laughs> that's a perfect ringtone for anybody. So uh, go for the, the first original theme. That was uh, that was the best. But James, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. It's been our pleasure, and uh, all the best with that strap match. Hey, thank you guys very much, man. Yeah, take care. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.